This is the Ag Queen Podcast. This podcast explores the agriculture industry with the movers and shakers of those shaping it. Here's your host, Lori Boyer. Joining me for our conversation is U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol Senior Scientist Chad Brewer. Chad, before we start talking about our main topic, which is work that you are doing with Climate Smart Farming and Climate Smart Grants that are available, let's step back a little bit and explain what the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol is. Yeah, you bet. Uh, thanks, Lori. Thanks for having us. The U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol is an industry-led initiative um, that allows the cotton, U.S. cotton farmers to document their production practices um, and then have them verified by, by the protocol staff. Um, and when we do that, it allows us to um, really tell the story well of the U.S. cotton farmer to the global audience that is interested in sustainability. So by documenting and then verifying their practices, we're able to calculate uh, six different metrics, um, environmental metrics. So things that you might be interested in um, are like greenhouse gas emissions, uh, water quality. Uh, we also have some a section on biodiversity. Um, so these things, these sustainability um, metrics that seemingly more and more of our supply chain are interested in, we have a way for the U.S. Uh, cotton farmer to, to document and then verify those practices. All right. Thank you very much for that. Chad, how about a little bit of information on yourself? Can you tell me a little bit more about you and your background? Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I've got a Ph.D. in agronomy um, and been in the ag business since about uh, 2007 and um, have worked pretty much here uh, locally in the Mid-South, so uh, covering Arkansas, Mississippi at times, ten West Tennessee, and the Missouri Boot Hill. Um, and so I really kind of developed this love of cotton production about 15 years ago, and uh, it's interesting. I start, I tell this quick story. I started out in rice, you know, um, whenever I was a teenager, and um, in rice, you're, you're always wet and stomping around in the mud. And then when, first time I walked into a cotton field, I was like, oh, my goodness, this is so nice. It's dry and, and I, don't, I don't have to wear rubber boots all day, every day. So I immediately began, fell in love with cotton production and uh, have been there ever since. Very good. I do have one follow-up question when you were talking about the protocol and producers who uh, take part in that. Do they get a premium for their cotton by doing by taking part in a protocol program? That's a fantastic question. And so there are a couple different ways that uh, producers can benefit financially um, from being a part of the protocol. So um, whenever we, uh, whenever bales are uploaded to the protocol, um, they're able to be tra traced through the supply chain. So all the way to the brands and retailers that are, you know, making and, or making and selling the finished clothing. Um, and whenever a brand and retailer becomes a member of the protocol, they're able to claim consumption units. Um, I, we can, they can essentially say, we consumed so many kilograms of protocol cotton to make this shirt. And, um, and then when they make those claims, then they, can, they pay the protocol for the right to make those claims based on their consumption. And once our bills are covered here at the protocol, we pass the rest on. Uh, to our member uh, producers. So that, that's one way that they can uh, benefit financially. The second way is, um, though, since those bales are essentially labeled or tagged as 
U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol bales. Um, some of their marketers and co-ops and others are actually uh, offering financial incentives to, to be able to market those bales. So one way comes directly from the protocol and the other way comes through from the market itself. As you are leading the U.S. Climate Smart program here, it sounds like there's already some good foundational steps that have been put into place just based on what you told me about the sustainability part of the protocol. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, whenever the notice for funding opportunity came out from the uh, from the USDA about this uh, climate smart commodities potential, um, the some of but this happened prior to me coming on board with the protocol. But there were folks here that saw that that um, that grant opportunity really married well with the objectives of the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol, as well as several partners that. Um, we have on the grant with us. And so um, they came together and wrote this amazing proposal um, that was accepted by the USDA um, for a $90 million grant. And so we are in the beginning stages of facilitating that grant out into the, the U.S. cotton space. Okay. Has the program already started? Yes, ma'am. So we be officially began on May 1st, uh, of this year and quickly spooled up um, and opened up enroll or we began accepting applications for enrollment um, I think maybe the second week of June um, of this year and we will continue throughout 2023 till September 1st and then if we don't have the enrollments for the Climate Smart full by that point we'll begin again on January 1st 2024 so I was going to say there's there's a great opportunity for, for growers to go ahead and continue enrollment all the way to September. Well, you know, the, the protocol has continued to grow since its inception in uh, 2020. Um, we've continuously seen in, an increase in enrollment. Up till today, we have about, depending on the year, 10 to 12% of the total U.S. cotton crop going through um, the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol. So um, there is uh, every year, um, an increase, and then there's plenty of U.S. protocol cotton going through the system. So for the protocol, the number is wide open. Um, with the Climate Smart Cotton Grant, we have enough enrollments for 1,650 farming entities. So, you know, so some of these farming operations are, are larger and have more than one entity um, that they're farming under. So if they have a subsidiary print from the FSA, office, then they can enroll as a farming entity for the Climate Smart Grant. On the Climate Smart versus protocol, uh, what do they, what do the entities have to do differently in order to apply for grant money? Ah, great question. So, um, and this is the cool part about our grant because we have three different funding levels, um, three different and three different um, levels of enrollment. So for level one enrollment, um, it is essentially enrolling in the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol and making sure to upload your cotton bales um, by March 1st, 2024. And so level one enrollment in the Climate Smart Cotton Program is essentially enrolling in the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol. Now in level two of our Climate Smart uh, Cotton Program, they will have an option to enact some practice changes for some of these conservation, um, uh, conservation practices like uh, planting cover crops, going to a no-till production, uh, no-till production practices, 
or developing a nutrient management plan. So those are the three incentivized program, uh, pro three incentivized practices in level two. And whenever a farmer chooses to do that, that, it, that enables them to enroll in level three. Um, and in level three, they're actually able to enter into the carbon market space and selling carbon inset credits into the apparel supply chain. You being a scientist, this is a great question for you. How are you measuring the carbon? How are you measuring the sequestration and, and that it's working? Absolutely. That is a phenomenal question. Um, and because in, we want to make sure that we are measuring it and then verifying it correctly. Um, and in this uh, carbon space, there's a lot of uncertainty, uh, I think, amongst farmers because they, they ask that same question. Um, so we have some great partners on this grant. So Soil Health Institute is one of the main partners. Uh, and then we also uh, contracted, recently contracted with an ecosystem services market provider um, who will be able to announce at a later date um, that is going to help us facilitate this. Um, one of the ways that we do it um, will be with soil sampling um, to measure a baseline for carbon and then, um, then see how much we stack on after that. Um, and then the USDA developed a model that's called COMET, um, C-O-M-E-T, like COMET, um, which is helping to us to model the, um, the sequestered carbon. And so all these U.S. Uh, climate smart commodity grants are feeding data into this, this COMET model that was developed uh, with the USDA and Colorado State. And we're actually training this model uh, to become better at predicting the uh, sequestered carbon. Um, so that's one of the, the overarching goals of the grant is to, to help provide some type of um, better data, I think, or better information for the common model to train it a little bit better. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Chad, what else? What else do I need to know about this? Uh, let's see. So I, I did. I wanted to mention our partner organizations. I already mentioned Soil Health Institute as well as uh, our ESMP that we've contracted. But we've also got you know folks like Cotton Incorporated are obviously partners on the grant. Um, then partnered with some universities, so Texas A and M, um, and then Alabama A and M University, and then North Carolina A and T State University are the three universities. And then there's a group here in Memphis in Shelby County called AgriCenter International. Um, and so all these partners are playing an integral role in facilitating this grant, um, reaching into some of the communities that they specifically serve, um, such as like the historically underserved uh, farming community, as well as uh, folks like veterans and different things. So um, we couldn't do it without our partners and I'd be remiss without um, mentioning them. Um, some of the other Benefits, I think the overarching benefits, look, we're, we're wanting to create about 4.2 million bales of climate smart cotton um, that will enter into the market space over the next five years. Um, we have a goal of advancing these uh, conservation practices on about 1.2 million U.S. cotton acres. Um, and then, as I mentioned before, the CO2 emission piece uh, will be like 1.14 million metric tons of carbon insets that would be available for the supply chain uh, to purchase, which, you know, in essence, will incent further incentivize uh, these farmers to make make the change. So what we're really trying to do is um, 
create a, a safe space for farmers to try new things um, and de-risk the uh, the adoption of these practices. We recognize that change is hard. Um, I've dealt with in the farming community for the last 20 years. I um, grew up on a family farm myself, so I understand um, what it's like to, to have to consider a change. And so a grant like this really helps us, helps these farmers de-risk um, that change and um, gives them an opportunity to try new things. And as you're talking about the farming side of things, this question popped in my head. So, I, and I don't know a lot about cotton production, to be honest with you, that's not what I grew up with either. But is it a matter of using cover crops? Is it a matter of no-till? Is that how we're getting to the to the carbon credits that you're referring to? Yes. So um, essentially, yes, whenever we take a, a piece of land that uh, hasn't previously had cover crops on and we begin uh, implementing a cover cropping practice, that uh, keeping that soil covered with something living year round uh, will sequester more carbon than it would would previously, and so we're we're sequestering it in the root system and and the above ground biomass um, that that grows there. And um, one of the other things that we don't often think about in the farming community um, are the release of greenhouse gases from our fertilizer. Um, so things like nitrous oxide and, and other things. So whenever we develop a, a nutrient management plan, all we're really after, one of the main goals is to make sure we're applying the right rate of fertilizer at the right time, which is essentially talking about nitrogen use efficiency. So we want to make sure that the nitrogen that we apply actually makes it into the crop. So, um, for instance, you know, you're probably familiar with corn production, maybe. Um, yeah. You know, you want to time your time your fertilizer and in corn and cotton both um, when the roots are 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 actively growing and it's able to take it up into the plant so that it does two things. One, the farmer gets the most bang for his buck, so the most yield per unit of nitrogen. And if he, and if it's in the plant, then it's not going to be in the air. And so, um, whenever we develop that nutrient management plan, those are the two main goals, and it benefits both the farmer. Um, as well as the uh, the release of reduces the release of nitrous oxide. Chad, unless there's anything else I missed, this was a great interview. Thank you. Well, I'm happy to happy to do it. Um, if there's you have any questions anytime, you know, we're always happy to jump on. Great. Well, it's fun to talk about these new things. It's fun for me to learn new things. So learning about cotton, but also the whole climate smart movement has just been really interesting for me. Yeah, you bet. And so if, you know, if growers uh, have questions or, or would like to apply, they can always reach us here at the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol. Um, they can begin by going to trustuscotton.org. Once again, my guest here today, Chad Brewer, Senior Scientist with the U.S. Cotton Trust. Thank you to my guest again here today, Chad Brewer, Senior Scientist with the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Ag Queen Podcast with your host, Lori Boyer.